You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the region's most influential business leaders. You know Pat McGrath as the patriarch of the McGrath family of dealerships. He talks about the first car he ever sold in Cedar Rapids working for his dad, H.B., at the Pontiac dealership. He talks about building a business that will live on beyond him for his kids to enjoy for years to come. And he also looks back on his career and talks about the big turning points and the things that he would change. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by West Bank. For more than 125 years, West Bank has been helping business owners and entrepreneurs find their own version of success. Learn more at westbankstrong.com, member FDIC. Pat, you were born into an automobile family, right? Your dad, HB, was up in Wisconsin, uh, Buick dealership, correct? That's Um, right. Right right then, and then on that year, that big year for the McGrath family, when they went from owning the dealership up in Eclair, Wisconsin, and then moved down to Cedar Rapids. Do you, what are some of your earlier memories about uh, growing up uh, in and around the automobile industry? Well, I, you know, when I was 11, my dad would bring me down when they were closed. He was working all the time, and he'd say, all right, go empty those garbage cans, mop that floor, and and then I'd play around in the cars or go in the service department. And, right. you know, so I was around it, oh my gosh, all my life. And I uh, went to work early even, I heck, I was driving by 13, cars around <laughs> the lot. And, right. and uh, so my, you know, my brother was there at the time, which was kind of cool. He's, Mike, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce. Bruce, okay. Yeah, and he's 20 years older than me, Okay. almost. And uh, so I got to see him a lot, which I, he was married when I was one. So he really, I didn't know him until, you know, he came back into sure. the business and I started working there as a kid and got to know him through that basically. And it was a lot of fun uh, being downtown Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Where was the dealership? Second there? Avenue Southeast. Uh, Pontiac, in, right? Right. Yeah. Pontiac. Okay. Street front showroom, dungeon of a uh, service department had like three <laughs> layers uh, and guys were always playing jokes and jacking around, and it was, right. which was a lot, which was a lot of fun. Back then. Yeah, I bet, I bet. And then, um, so in, in high school, you worked there essentially not not full time, but I mean that was your your main job all the way through, like you said, thirteen, and then up and through high school. And was there any, any other professional interests even, or was it always sort of set in stone that you would you would come on onto the family business? You know, I I worked there, but then what I ended up doing in the summers is construction. Mm-hmm. And then the railroad, I got on Milwaukee Road uh, for two summers, which is a great job. It was wow. tough, but it was great money. So I worked construction two summers, railroad two summers, and then another construction job. Wow. Uh, um, but then I went to UNI, and I moved into an apartment between my uh, junior, senior year. What did you study at UNI? Marketing, business okay. marketing. And, and right, right by my uh, apartment was John Deary Motors. Okay. So I went over and said, "Hey, I need a job just as I go to school." And <laughs> I got a little so resume I, here. Yeah, I know yeah. a thing or two about. Yeah. The so I went into the detail department, and John and I kid because I was like, "Man, you were two years older than me. I'm in the detail department working, and you're the dealer coming back and telling me to get to work." And, right. But that was that was a good time too. So I was I've been around this. Oh my gosh, for a long time. Sure. And when you were up at UNI with marketing, was it sort of? You, you knew that when you were done there, you were going to go back and work in the family business. You know, Nate, I I actually told my dad when I got back, uh, took a few months off 
And I said, I'm going to move to Minneapolis. I went up and interviewed for a job up there at a Pontiac store that my bro- brother knew the guy. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm moving. I'm going to move. And at that time, my dad was 70. Okay. And my mom was 70. And uh, he was like, he never, he was E.F. Hutton. He didn't talk much, didn't okay. hardly ever give advice or anything. He just said, hey, I'd like you to consider staying in town for your mother. Wow. Because they were at an age, you know. And uh, so I said, all right. So I went out and interviewed with my brother's general manager and went selling cars. He hired you? That's yeah. Great. yeah. Yeah, he hired me completely. <laughs> Holy crap. Brought you in, yeah. <laughs> so that was, the, that was the first gig then, you right on the sales floor? Right the, on the sales the floor. And what were some of the uh, early lessons you learned from, from trying to sell cars? Uh, prob- just uh, relationship building. Mm-hmm. It was all about that, uh, you know, because then it was – people called in or walked in. I mean, it was obviously there's no internet, anything like that. So right, the entirely relationship different. was face-to-face sure. almost all the time unless they called. And uh, so it was a real, you know, I met my wife. Mm-hmm. I sold her a car. <laughs> and uh, so met Must have given a pretty some sweet of my deal best. Then. Yeah, exactly. Like she says, she paid 12 grand to find a husband. But <laughs> <laughs> but some of my best, my probably one of my best buddies, I sold him a car in Iowa City. And we've just been best friends ever since. Right. And, and uh, so the relationship building was a big part of it. it. Every day was different. Somebody knew every day, and some situations were new every day. Just being in retail, you right. know, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Did you have a favorite car back then? Yeah, and I've got it now. I got one, a 1972 Blazer, K, uh, K5 Blazer, the big ones, okay. two-door. Sure. And, uh, in fact, my wife surprised me about eight years ago with one. At Christmas, because awesome. that was what I loved. I drove. It was our shop vehicle mm-hmm. when I worked for my dad. Okay, and I used to use it during the summer as kind of the yeah party wagon. And uh, so I got one. They're they're awesome. And I just bought a '72 pickup, okay. kind of restoring it and messing with it. And uh, I like that. For some reason, I like that era of trucks. And sure, did you uh, you remember what the first car you actually sold was? It what was style? a Grand Prix, Grand a Prix. white Grand okay. Prix, to uh, a young gal. And I can't remember her name, but she was excited. Of what course, those, I was excited. What were those going for back then? I think it was about twelve five, eleven okay. five, something like that. Sure. And uh, yeah, I remember that. In fact, I can still picture it, which That's is awesome. wild. Yeah. That's great. So on the sales floor, and then did you get exposure to all the different facets of the business early on? Were you back? You mentioned you know you can repair some trucks now, and were you back in the repair area? Were you? learn about the back part of the business? I mean, how, when did you kind of get exposure to other parts beyond the sales floor? You know, I, a little bit. I didn't really, I would do some work back there. The first time I changed oil, I uh, got it all over the place, and the service manager said, you're never doing that again. And, <laughs> right. and then, uh, but most of my time and most of my knowledge came on the front end of selling new and used cars. And, mm-hmm. and then I'd always make sure somebody knew what they were doing that knew how to order parts and stock them and knew how to service cars. And, right. And, uh, but uh, most of my time was spent up front, as we call it, up front in the sales department. Okay. So you're working for your brother Bruce in the Cedar Rapids Pontiac store. Right. And then where, where are there some turning points or big breaks in your career, would you say? Is there, was there a big opening, a, a, new, uh, a new shop? Or wh- where did things kind of really start to fall in place for not only you but the McGrath? What we know today to be sort of the, you know, the – not the empire, but just this this great, amazing, you know, big business with multiple dealerships. Where uh, where did you see that sort of starting to turn in the right direction? Well, when it turned was, you know, my brother was great because he had it. Mike, his son, was in the business with us too, and he was he looked at the two of us and said, "This store 
is not big enough for three families. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you invest with me, I'll go. I'll go anywhere if I can be my own deal. And this uh, is Mike. This is this your brother. Is Bruce telling Bruce, me this. Your brother Bruce. Yeah, okay. telling Mike and I this. Okay. I don't know what we're going to do. And I said, hey, you know, I'm out. I'll go. I'd love to have my own deal. Get mm-hmm. out of my dad's and brother's deal. Right? What year is this? That was '87. Uh, okay. So I bought a deal in Iowa City, mm-hmm. Olds GMC Izuzu store from uh, uh, McElhaney Hargrave family. Okay. And uh, they had bought the Chevy store from Earl Yoder, mm-hmm. and so they wanted to sell their Olds Buick or Olds GMC Izuzu store. So we bought that, moved to Iowa City, loved it. Okay. And uh, and then what would uh, probably a big turning point, Nate, was in 1990. The Chevy store in Cedar Rapids came for sale, and uh, it had been owned by the same family since 1926. Oh wow, Fletcher family, and so they were onto their third, more past their third generation, not into a fourth yet. But um, it became for sale, and then that's when I had my deal. Bruce and Mike had their store, the Pontiac store, and we merged and bought that store and formed McGrath Automotive Group. Okay. And so I came up, I ran that in Iowa City. Mike ran the Pontiac store. Bruce pretty well uh, had, had, had stepped back quite a bit right. at that point. He was the smart one. He retired around 52. So Were you actively seeking those sort of opportunities? Did you know, did you kind of have that earmark, the Chevy dealership in Cedar Rapids, whenever that family was ready to sell, you guys were ready to pounce on that? Or yes, was it, okay. that was the golden egg. Okay, and that, yeah. from there, everything really yes. blossomed. Right. Okay. And it didn't blossom for quite a while. Honestly, we ninety one, and then it wasn't until around two thousand seven that we started growing, mm-hmm. and a lot of our growth's been last six years, seven years, mo- almost all of our growth's been then. And what would you say is the main catalyst for that growth? A um, couple things, Nate. One probably big one was uh, I got a, a turning point for me was I got diagnosed with a pretty significant uh, cancer diagnosis, um, stage four. So it made me reflect and go, wow. And which year was this? That was uh, December of 07. Mm-hmm. And it made me look at it. And at that time, it was pretty obvious my kids and Mike's kids were going to get in the business. Okay. Because uh, Gavin was in going into his final year of college. Lindsay was out of college working for me. Jamie expressed interest. Murphy, Griffin, they'd all expressed interest. So right. I'm going wow, we got two stores, because I had sold Iowa City, mm-hmm. two stores, we're just getting into the motorcycle business, and I've got three kids, he's got three kids, we aren't big enough. It made me really reflect on what kind of car automobile company have I built here. It's not, it's not substantial enough to call a family business. So that's when I went and uh, got through 08, uh, which was a wild year, a lot of treatment, you know, that kind of stuff, you've seen that happen. But that's when I went, we got we to gotta grow this deal. Mm-hmm. We've, we have some capable kids that want to be in this business. They're smart. They're going to work hard. And we have to have an opportunity for all of them. And so that's when the growth mindset really came into play. Sure. And that was a big turning point. And Mike w- was on board. Bruce was on board. And that was born from the uh – your the your battle with cancer in 07 and 08 and that just sort of in your mind um it gave a little more of a sense of urgency or creating a you know a longer legacy and something for your family to take over what exactly was it from that experience that in 07 and 08 that that said hey i need to go grow this thing and, and build something big enough to hand off legacy 
Okay. That was that. In fact, we have bigger than just you. Something absolutely. That. Yeah. And it made me reflect. I had a lot of blinders on at that. You know, before that, just okay. Put my head down. Let's go to work. How do we do this? And then all of a sudden, it it made me sit back and go, Wait a minute. Am I missing? What's the future yeah. look like for this company? I, I want to build a legacy company. In fact, I've got a PowerPoint that we've worked on over the years on just sure. what those goals are and what that looks like out and. And in uh, something that you know, I'm just a I'm just a holder of the shares. I'm not really an owner of them. I'm just holding them. My dad had them. My brother had them. I've got some. Mike's got them. Now our kids are getting them, and I'm just there to pass them on. And right. And I want, but I wanted to. I just made a, a pact with myself that you know what I'm going to make this something these kids can go. Wow! I've all each one of them has an opportunity to run something, mm-hmm. make an impact in people's lives, and that's that's our number one goal. We want to make. If we can change somebody's life that comes to work for us and we can impact them, have them live a life that they probably didn't see themselves living, that is what This we, is your team members. These are the, that, that's our folks. team members. Yeah. Okay. And that's my kids believe in it. Our family believes in it. And we've, done, we've been able to do that. We've t- been able to take some people that uh, started in a role and, and you know, we're pretty proud of the fact that 95 96% of our people were growing within our management team Mm -hmm. and uh you know we're yeah we're selling cars but i don't think it's any different than selling cars selling burgers selling newspapers um sure it's you know making changing people's lives by giving an opportunity to really excel beyond what they ever thought possible Mm -hmm. and in turn have an impact on their families so pat talk a bit about a little bit more about the the legacy business and what's the the recipe to create a business that's going to live beyond just you i mean there's the obvious of you know uh, acquiring and growing and buying new opportunities as they come about but what else what what other things tangible or intangible are important to building a legacy business well first of all and this is to me secondary but you got to be profitable so you can have the capital right i mean you're just not gonna be able to do it without that take care of business now absolutely got to have that so you can look at it and go okay i do have a piggy bank here that we can go mm-hmm. invest in but m- number one is the people uh we've got a great group and you know our our purpose is to be the company of choice that's what our purpose statement is we want to be the company of choice number one for employees and uh and we truly believe that we just want to know that if somebody says you know what i want to i'd love to be in that business um i want to go talk to McGrath, and that's that is the legacy that we've got to build because I can't, Gavin can't, Lindsay, Murph, Mike, we can't do it on our own. Right. We have got to have great people doing their roles that really get it, mm-hmm. buy into the whole, our whole mission statement, and make a difference. And that's the secret sauce, truly, for it. Well, for us, it's been our secret sauce, and uh, no, no different than any other business, really. No, absolutely. Did you appreciate the importance of, of team members early, back early on in your career? What have been some of the, you know, the big learnings or, or growth opportunities or places you've uh, found the most personal professional development throughout your career? That is a great question. Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> right. um, I, uh, I, I uh, as Oren Smith, who's been with me through it all, uh, still with us, Dennis O'Brien, they will attest to the fact that uh, – I was a doer and a taskmaster and tended to, um, you know, just push, push, push. Here mm-hmm. we go. Uh, hours are hours, and that's just the way it is. And that's the, probably my biggest learn was to hang on, delegate, empower people. Sure. Because I didn't do a, much of that for a while. I didn't empower. I just, you know, 
just told them, here, you do this, do that, do this. This is how we're doing it. Um, that was my biggest learn. Mm-hmm. And I think once I figured that out and started empowering our people and letting them make mistakes and letting them have a, uh, have a big say in maybe the way we did things, right. that really turned the corner for us. I truly believe that. Did you work with, I'm always been curious about how leaders and executives like yourself go about that sort of personal and professional development. Did you have outside people that you worked with, consultants that kind of helped you in an advisory role to develop uh, those sort of leadership skill set throughout your career? How did you, or did the growth happen more organically? It, um, absolutely I did. We have, uh, in our industry, we have what they call 20 groups. And we're in five of, six of them now, but it's 20 dealers. Peer group, yeah. Peer group mm-hmm. stuff, right? And uh, I started going to them with my brother when I was working for him. And that huge resource, there's guys I still call, hey, what are you doing about email right. them? Hey, what about this? What about that? Hey, have you run into this? And and we get together all the time. I consider some of them just dear friends. Sure. And always learning from them. Uh, and, and, and then also... Um, I've been really lucky to meet. I meet quarterly with uh, some business leaders around mm-hmm. and get, in other industries. Yeah, other Jeff Disterhoff. Sure, with him and I meet quarterly. With the credit union. Yep. Yeah, I was on his board for seven years, and uh, I got to tell you, he Nate, uh, without question, uh, he's probably the best business leader I know in the mm-hmm. corridor, and I want to learn from that guy. And so we meet. We met last month. We trade books, take notes, Great. meet for two hours, have a beer, yeah. and uh, and we bounce stuff off each other. Um, Dwayne Smith, great leader, mm-hmm. learned a ton from him. Uh, we have a business coach. I have a business coach that uh, has helped us for about four years. Just kind of come in and be an outsider and kind of directs us and looks at it, especially family business. That's kind of his forte. Right. Dwayne Smith turned me on to him. Um, also, just personal development, I've, I've been going to Kellogg over at Northwestern, right. uh, mm-hmm. executive education, mm-hmm. and uh, had some really, uh, Deepak Chopra sure. taught a, a class on leadership, which I was like, wow, great. this guy's going to teach a class on leadership. <laughs> and it was fascinating to uh-huh. me, just a total different perspective of what's a leader, you know, not industry specific whatsoever. In fact, life leadership was a lot of it and just just things like that and that's the mentors i've had in this business and, and i'm always trying to learn i mean we all obviously just right trying to learn live in the question and just uh find resources i just got a new resource that i've been hooking up with great guy and he this i thought i had employee problems i'm going geez geez she's <laughs> hard to find people and he, he he goes yeah i've got 2500 and they're Jeez. 365 24 hours a day and i'm like oh my gosh so it puts a lot <laughs> of perspective loves company, right? a yeah. lot of perspective i'm going boy my i i i have great situation to compare to this guy but right that's interesting what do you you hit on the workforce a little bit but as you look out into the future 10 15 20 years from now um what what are what do you think are some of the bigger challenges facing not only the automobile industry but perhaps just the general uh business economy here in the corridor region anything jump out to you well they keep you up at night uh the where's retail going mm-hmm. i mean you watch online and e-commerce yeah and, you watch the disruptors and uh i mean amazon uh, would you say that's been the biggest if you look back on your career has that been the biggest disruption and change is just how people shop and how they gather information and reviews and all those sort of the online element the internet yes. would you say if you look yes. back on your career that'd be it Okay. No, no question. Um, that that in in Tesla, 
is a real test out there watch. We watch them a lot. We mm-hmm. read about them because they have totally disrupted the way a car is sold. Right. It's fully no, integrated, the whole No yeah. car dealerships. I mean, mm-hmm. they are company-owned stores. They're in shopping malls. They're not some brick and mortar. I've only seen one. Uh, and that that case study is still, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm watching it. I go to a Tesla store. If I see one, I go to them, shop them, see what they're like. And um, I'm convinced that if they would have let car dealers sell their product, there'd be a lot more of them. Sure. Uh, but that's biased. But that that's the big thing is the next 10 to 15 years is just how are they going to be sold? Where's the, re- where's the buyer going to go? Mm-hmm. Uh, we see we're delivering more cars around, um, especially business stuff around the country. Oh, wow. And we're finding, my impression is we try to carry a lot of inventory because mm-hmm. it used to be, the old adage is like personal buy a used car within five miles of where they live. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. And they'll go 500 miles, right? Really? If they find the right car, especially the new car, it's a commodity. A new car is a commodity. I mean, you can find it here, Des Moines, you know, Iowa City. I mean, anywhere right. you can find that commodity. Somebody yeah. wants, I want exactly forty to 45,000 miles and yep. two-door and Especially the drive. new car. You know, if you're like, hey, I want this, 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 and this. Um, so inventory, but people want them now. Mm-hmm. They want it delivered, gosh, overnight? That'd be great. Two days? That's all right. I'll accept two days, right? They want it now. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why we stock a lot of inventory, and I think that's going to have a big impact um, on helping us because of the fact that people will drive 100, 200 miles, no problem. In fact, we'll drive it to them now. Sure. and get the best deal. And, right? right. Okay, interesting. What do you, um, I mean, I, known you fairly well, and, and your son Gavin, a very driven uh, folks, obviously built very successful business here. How have you approached kind of having that work-life balance? And, you know, especially in the automobile dealership world, you got to work Saturdays and, you know, late hours into the evening and how have you uh, kind of helped create that balance throughout your career? Uh, I, I, not well. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, How's there even been such a thing? I guess. You're right, and I, I really applaud the kids uh, that they do. They're doing a much better job of it. Uh, they're taking the time uh, to uh, take a day off during the week. Uh, when we're open late, they're they're getting out of there at least one night a week mm-hmm. and not doing that. Um, and I, I applaud I applaud them for that. And one thing I've challenged Gavin, where my balance came from, was coaching, uh, coaching him, coaching my daughters. Uh, An outlet outside of yeah, work. just something that that wasn't my hobby, if you will, when I was working. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's coaching now. Uh, Lindsay and her son's coaching. Um, and so that that was. But I, I, I tell you, Nate, I, I look back, and if there's probably one thing I would have changed in the way I approached it is my work-life balance. Uh, it was six, seven days a week. When I was living up here and working down there, sometimes I'd drive back and forth twice. You know, that in... In, in a day. Yeah, and it was... Uh, it, it was uh, but they're, they're learning. They've learned, mm-hmm. and I'm really, really glad to see that. They get it. That's great. And as you look back on your career in its entirety, if you were, you were to hope someone else would say this about Pat McGrath, what sort of... What would you hope your hallmark characteristics would be as a, as a professional? Wow. Um, I, I guess number one, that he was a really good guy and that I, hopefully there'll be a handful of people, maybe more that would come forward and say, you know, he really going to work. He really changed my life. 
he really had a very positive effect on, and I exceeded any expectation of myself mm-hmm. that I ever had, and uh, that's what I would hope would happen. Pat, you had mentioned uh, your battle with cancer earlier. How how is that today? It's great. It's great. Went through a. It came back in '09, uh, but I'm in great shape. Uh, beat it. It's in the history books, and uh, I would never ever wish it upon anybody Mm -hmm. but i tell you it's probably one of the best things ever happened in my life new perspective oh man it changed the way i saw business the way i saw family but uh it's not the way to learn that no you know what i mean right (laughs) okay we like to wrap up all these uh interviews with uh just some quick questions here um if given the chance what profession other than the automobile industry uh would you have most liked to attempt if you could go back and have a professional do-over what, what would you have done uh, offensive line coach for football <laughs> there you go yeah I did that at Wash and with Kirk's help and mm-hmm. just oh, loved it that's great uh how about a favorite business leader has there been anybody that you've uh, really followed out there I'll tell you Jeff here locally Jeff Distrahoff. Jeff Distrahoff mm-hmm. is he's 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 a he's a superman really mm-hmm. um and when it comes to business leader, Bill Belichick right I know he's not well coach of the New England Patriots yeah uh-huh. I, I just I really some people don't like the guy. I, I admire him, mm-hmm. and I really like the way he has built what he's done. Absolutely. Um, uh, that's probably a guy I really look up to and watch and read about. Great. Uh, how about daily news source? What are, you, what are you reading each morning? Apple News. Okay. I get on Apple News at least a couple times a day. Variety um, of sources on there. Yeah, 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 there's a lot of sources. And then Harvard Business Review. Mm-hmm. I get two emails a day. Good um, case studies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just leadership tip of the day, and it'll be an article, and then there'll be uh, management reads of the day, and there'll be five, six articles. And if I like one, I'll send it off to the team and say, check this out. And Great. Uh, how about a podcast or TV show? Right now, Hallmark Christmas. <laughs> I love it. Get the Kleenex out. <laughs> yeah, I get yeah. So unpredictable. Yeah. No, just kidding. Uh, but uh, Andy Griffith. guess the storyline, right? Andy yeah. Griffith show has always been a favorite. Okay. But no, I'm not much of a – I don't watch binge watch TV much. Right. But uh, college football. I, lo- I just yeah, love college football. Yeah. How about the Hawks? Mississippi oh. State. You like – you going to be down – you going to go to the game? No, I'm not. No. I'm not. I hate to miss it. But been there a couple times. It's a fun spot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how about a motivational quote? Is there – if you could – Put something up on your office for everybody to see. What would it be? Uh, I've got a pillow that sits on my bed uh, that I got in around 07. And it's not the mountain we conquer but ourselves by Sir Edmund Hillary. Mm-hmm. And I read it every day, see it every day sitting there. That's great. Uh, how about 30 extra minutes in each day if you were gifted that? What would you do with it? Uh, I would meditate. Used to do it. Uh, love it. It got me through some times, and I don't make enough time to do that, and I yeah. think it's an awesome thing. Great. Uh, most influential business book you've read? Uh, my Bible, as I grew up through the business, was Managing by Harold Janine. Hmm. Uh, it's an old one. Okay. And, uh, uh, in fact, I had it out just the other day looking at it, and he— What's the main takeaway there? Uh, performance is reality. Okay. That was his big motto, and managers must manage. Hmm. And uh, there's, he's got a lot of – and one thing I really liked about the guy, uh, cluttered desk 
is a sign of a working guy. My desk is always a freaking mess. Yeah, because what's the quote? The, the alt- an empty desk is a sign of an empty mind. Right. Like Einstein well, I like that one. Yeah, uh, that's great. Uh, and then just one sentence. How, how would you define success? Uh, I, I, here's what I wrote down. I, I, I wrote this down thinking that this might be a question. Demand a lot out of yourself. In turn, your people demand a lot out of themselves. And I truly believe that. Speed of the leader, speed of the team. Mm-hmm. And our people truly live by that. Outstanding. Thank, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank God, Nate. I was honored to be asked. I really was. Absolutely. I'm really honored to be here. Yep, have a great holiday. You bet. This episode was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal. 